0: Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robot Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen, and I have two guests with me today, Ashley Ammons and Carrie Schrader, the co-founders of Mixtros. Welcome to the show. Thank you. We're so glad to be here. We are super excited. So... We don't usually actually have two guests, um, so I'm excited about this. It might actually be helpful to have you each say a little line about yourself uh, so the audience can associate your voice with who you are. Ashley, can you give me maybe a a one line about yourself? I am Ashley Ammons, and I am the
1: daughter of the Mixtros team. This is my voice, everyone.
0: (laughs) Hi, this
2: is Carrie Schrader, and I am the very, very, very young looking mother of the Mixtros team as well. Ashley's role, we say, is she's the president. I'm the CEO. But those names are insignificant because we do anything from top level strategy to, hey, be sure to set out the garbage can tonight.
0: (laughs) So you're not just co-founders which is a challenging relationship enough you are actually a mother-daughter team
1: at this point, I feel like this person is my life partner. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, yes. Um, no, we're, we're a mother-daughter tech team. And I find that to be quite unique, specifically because we're female and African-American as well. So like usually, you know, we'll see a story in the press and it says something about mother-daughter tech team, and it's usually us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how you can, can find out of the articles about you. So I'm super interested to hear how this co-founding team came about. So I think it makes sense at this point to ask, what is Mixtrose? so
1: mixtros and we always get the question what does the name stand for so mixtros is the word mixer and introduction smushed together and we are a software that is used anytime 50 or more people come together to increase engagement and collect data we primarily work with higher education institutions but also business enterprises with more than 500 employees and the way this works is you're gathering your let's say students together for orientation they come into that orientation and they launch our application and then they answer 10 questions, 10 questions inside of Mixtros that were customized by their university. When it's time for them to gather with other people, our app tells them who they've been matched with and where to meet those people right there in real time. And the app actually provides them with conversation starters to kick off the conversation. At the same time, the university gains access to all of that collected data. So we provide a 360 degree ROI in the form of increased engagement. Engagement, and, of course, data collection.
0: Very cool. I want to dig into all of that. So at kind of a surface level, would you call this a community platform? Is it a social media platform?
2: When we started with Mixtros, it was really about building communities. And we've not strayed away from that. But what we've found is that data collection piece has really risen above. So we provide value to that person coming to an event, trying to figure who to sit with or to gather with besides people that they already know or those known clicks or worse yet. No one that you deem in a snapshot looks or feels like you. And at the same time, the data collection side for the event organizer is invaluable because you're able to see who is in your event, where, what their likes and dislikes are based on those customized questions that you have asked. And you also are able to access the raw data.
0: Do you all have a tagline for Mixtros? I mean, there's like so many taglines.
1: Uh, you know, we say stop networking, start connecting. You know, people have called us like in conversation community as a service, which that is trademarked, by the way, we're aware. Um, so we cannot say that officially. Um, another one that I love is LinkedIn, but live. I think that's a good explainer for us. And you kind of asked earlier if we're a hybrid of social networking and community building. And the answer to that is yes. Like if you look at our brand, our branding is very intentional. Like half of our brand is blue and that aligns us with, you know, the big softwares that have to do with connecting people, i.e. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and so on. The other half of our brand is orange. And the reason for that is, you know, orange identifies with Eventbrite and other things that are bringing you together in real life. So that hybrid, we take someone from digital to physical, and then take them back to digital. And we know by doing that, online friendships or connections are more valuable once you've met that person in person.
0: Great. I think it'd be really interesting to learn, you know, is there a founding story for this? Was there a single instance where one of you was like, there's a a really big pain that's not being solved? And, And what was that? So
1: I think what's interesting here is we actually each have a founding story, but they do come together. The interesting thing here is my mom and I, as far as our family are concerned, we're the first entrepreneurs in our family. Most of the people in our family, you know, they went to college and then they worked, you know, as a nurse or an educator or whatever the case is. And so, my mom and I are new in that way. So, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't on our mind. Starting a business wasn't on our mind. We weren't looking for our next thing. We were pretty comfortable in the roles that we had, both at senior and executive levels. I was an event producer, a large scale event producer in New York City. I have produced events for everybody from Oprah to Leonardo DiCaprio and big
2: brands like Coca Cola and Nike. And then my mom, I was a senior level HR professional. So I have worked on senior teams with Ford Motor Company, Alcoa, Sears Holding. My last company, I was the global HR director.
0: Okay, so events and HR. I'm I'm starting to see the the seed of this idea.
2: Yeah, so we always say we have, although we came in not really being the most advanced technologists, we, between the two of us, had the lockdown on the human asset and how they interplay with each other. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was going to an event. It was at Lincoln Center in New York. It was 2014. And my purpose for going to that event was to network with people outside of my immediate field. Yet when it became time to do that, the event organizer was like, go up to somebody with the same colored dot on their name tag as you. And it was an all women's conference and women. Inexplicably, wear their name tag on their breast. And so I was like, okay, so you want me to network with somebody by going up to somebody I don't know, looking at their breast, looking for this very small dot. and booby then, dots. Yeah, booby dots. And then <laughs> saying, you're yellow, I'm yellow, let's talk about that. I was like, that is weird. And I'm also super cool. I live in New York, I'm not doing that. So I didn't. And I didn't end up meeting anybody. And, you know, I, Got home and I was pleased with myself for like, you know, going and doing some professional development. And then I talked to my mom, the HR guru about it. And she was like, scolding me. Like, I can't believe that you went to this event. You paid the money to go to the event. You didn't meet anybody. What a waste of time. Did I sound like that? You did. She sounds so intense. I was like, relax, relax. It's (laughs) tough love. It is. I was going to say a lot of tough love in our family. But then, you know, my mom told me about her experience on that same um, evening, you know, in fact.
2: Yeah. So as Ashley was trying to build her network, I was just wanting to play with mine. And so I had planned a big dinner out. Everybody came and they had paid just like my husband and I did. But at the end of the evening, I was exhausted. So for the people who may be listening that are old enough to know what the love boat is, I felt like Julie, (laughs) the cruise director on the love boat, because all I did all night was connect people like, hey, you guys have this in common here. And then somebody would tap me on the shoulder and say, can you introduce me to that person? And everybody had an awesome time, but I was truly wore out. And so when Ashley and I had one of our numerous calls during the week, We couldn't believe, you know, just the friction at networking events and what could possibly be the solution. So we did as all smart people do. And we consulted with the Google and we're on the phone. (laughs) Is that a
0: (laughs) consulting firm? (laughs) Yeah, that's
2: it. The Google. And we (laughs) looked and there wasn't anything there. And in that crazy four hour conversation, Mixtrose was born. And what I will tell you is Even today, it's hard to believe that we both came across this at the same time and continue to move it forward. But what I will tell you for sure is, had we not experienced it in that same way, in that very same weekend, if Ashley would have came to me and said, hey, mom, we're going to quit our jobs and we need to invest in this thing on something called an app or what have you, I would have thought she had lost her mind. And (laughs) we've had this conversation and she certainly would have said, if you think I'm moving out of New York City, to click on a smartphone with you, you're nuts. Cause we both are recovering Blackberry users. So
1: wait, the other thing I'd like to add is my mom is naturally more entrepreneurial than I am. I am extremely type A. I like structure. I enjoyed my paycheck on the 15th and the mm-hmm. 30th. None of that exists in entrepreneurship. And so, like, I was a really slow sell on this whole situation, honestly.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a lot of
1: unknowns. There's a lot. Yeah, there is a ton of unknowns. And so, I say that to say it'll be so funny because people will come up to me and they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's so great that you started this company. And oh my gosh, it's so great that you invite your mom along with you. And I'm like, my mom, one, is the CEO of the company. Two, if she wasn't here, I tell you what, mixtros would not exist. And three, opened your mind because women over 40, yes, mom, you are over 40. So women over 40- are dangerous as a business partner. And I mean that in the most complimentary way, they just figure out how to get it done. So I would not have done this with anybody else, frankly.
0: That's a hot tip. Hot tip. So you both had painful experiences at a networking event and even a more kind of casual social event. And I definitely see this too. I'm on the marketing side here here at ThoughtBot and you know, I attend events or speak at events and we host our own events. But like what are some of those universal pains that are being experienced at in person events? Absolutely. I mean, we're living in the digital
1: age one of our investors is Steve Case. He was one of the co-founders of AOL. And so he has this amazing book called Third Wave. And I, I would say we've completely bought into his thesis, which is The first wave of the Internet was essentially America Online, getting America Online. If you're of a certain age, you remember that thing that went, you know, like to Mm -hmm. get you online.
0: Yeah, the CDs.
1: Oh, my gosh, the CDs. Yes. And I feel like you were getting like a mailer with these CDs like every other week or something, you know. So (laughs) so there was that stage. Then once everybody got online. It's the second wave of the internet, and now it's introducing Facebook and LinkedIn and Airbnbs and really just teaching the world that's already online how technology can be used to improve your experience, right? And now we're in this third wave of the internet, which is essentially the internet of everything, and that is internet will be used to do things like walking your dog. And now we can make the argument that internet will be used to help you connect when you're somewhere in real time. What we know is when people go to events, there is a, it's a sociological phenomenon called homophily. Homophily is essentially the theory that birds of a feather do indeed flock together. We as humans, when we go somewhere, it is natural for us to gravitate towards people who look like us, people who we think have the same level. Of education, maybe the same skin color, maybe the same style of dress, et cetera, and so on. Mm -hmm. But we know from networking that that is not true to like who you should be colliding with. More often than not, the person you need to connect with looks nothing like you. So the reason that we built Mixtros is to account for the fact that when people go to an event, they generally exhibit one of three behaviors. One is they go with people that they know and they stay with those people for the duration of the event you yeah. Two is they will walk into an event, scan the room, and then again, beeline for people who look like them so they can get more comfortable. Or three, if all that fails, we have these handy-dandy smartphones in our pocket and we will find a corner and get on that thing so that we don't have to interact with anyone. All of those things really defeat the purpose of going to an event because honestly, if we all went to events just to hear content, we could stream that from YouTube. The reason people make the effort to get on a plane, to go to a conference or whatever is It's for the collisions that are likely to happen there. And there is a reason specifically for me that I believe in the power of networking. And that is when I was in undergrad, I went to undergrad in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where our family is from, where we're originally from. And long story short, I went to a very small liberal arts school right outside of Cleveland. And I was working on a project called Dance Marathon. It was 2007. So at that point, there were no iPhones, no Instagram, none of that. Like when you were working on something, you were paired with a classmate you had to actually engage with them. There was no other choice. And so me and this classmate of mine were engaging with one another. He looked very different from me. Like we, we looked like on the outside we had nothing in common. But after having a conversation, we recognized that we actually had a ton in common. And following that short experience with me, he said, um, do you need an internship? And I said, I do. And he said, cool, I'm going to introduce you on email to someone. He did that. Three weeks later, I became LeBron James' first intern.
0: Oh, my God That gosh. is
1: the
2: power of networking, for real. Well, my story is not that cool, and I didn't have Instagram either. I had, like, a stone tablet. <laughs> <laughs> and I never got to work with somebody as cool as LeBron, but Ford Motor Company, you know, paid a lot of bills. <laughs>
0: so that's an interesting topic that you brought up that I wasn't anticipating, which is by actually helping folks connect better and also not kind of rely on walking up to someone that feels more comfortable or probably also that they already know, it could actually improve the diversity and inclusion of events, which could then have a huge impact on like how people then go and interact in the rest of the world. Absolutely. So y'all have this chat about the problems that you were both facing at the end of the conversation, were you already thinking that this could be an app? Uh, were there other avenues you were thinking about? Curious, like what what the next steps out of that kind of initial aha moment were. I mean, all I do remember is that each of us were like
1: on our laptop, like Googling things like we we had been like, wow, this is a big problem. Like, how are people actually connecting in the digital age? We started looking for that online and we just couldn't find the solution that was solving it in the way that we were talking about. So literally over the course of like, let's say a four hour conversation our idea of mixtros was born like at least a very primitive version of it we weren't calling it mixtros till maybe like 2 weeks later because i dreamed about the name mixtros and like called her like five o'clock in the morning, like I have it. And then Which she would,
2: was four o'clock my time because we were in different
1: uh, time zones. She'll never do that again. Yeah. She was like, <laughs> don't ever call this house at this time unless like you're dying or something. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, you know, after we made it through that, the next big step was I came home for the holidays. I was planning to rest because I had to get ready for the events award season that was coming in um January. Um, But my mom had other plans and she was really wanting to have like a 10 day think tank about this idea that we had had. So that's what we did. Oh, she won out. She totally because she just wouldn't leave me alone. Like I was literally at the house trying to like be chill and like she literally wouldn't leave me alone. And so that leads us to getting to CES.
2: Yes. And so over the course of Ashley's stay for our fake uh, Christmas, we discovered on the 26th of December that something called CES was coming up and it's funny Ashley kind of knew about it I knew nothing about it. And when she pulled it up, she was like, you know what, mom, not this coming year, but next year, 2016, we need to go to that. I can't go with you this year because I have to go back to my job. And I said to her, you know what? I've been an executive for a while and I've traveled a lot of places outside of Vegas that probably were way more scarier by myself. And I'm going to go. And she's like, no, you're not. Long story is I still have my points from my illustrious HR career. I got a, a flight out. Then when I looked at how much it cost to go to CES and specifically App Nation, I was like, ooh, this is a brand new thought. I'm not spending that much money on this. Mm-hmm. So I decided on that night, hey, I'm gonna write the president of App Nation a note and see if I can get a free ticket. Both Ashley and my husband was like, not gonna happen. You're wasting your time. That was on a Saturday night, Sunday during church. I got a little jingle on my phone. And yes, I know I shouldn't have had my phone on in church, but I was praying for something and it came true. He gave me a free ticket. So it was a wrap. Wow. I was on my way to App Nation, which was a trip that had to be taken because guess what? While I was there, I met our developers who have been with us since the end of January 2015 through today. And in fact, they just sent us an anniversary gift last week on our five-year anniversary, and it was the best gift ever, chocolate-covered liquor things. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. They're the best.
0: Yeah. So I was going to ask, so neither of you uh, have a technical background. How did you actually go about building the thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, people used to refer to us as quad outsiders. That is a black female non-technical tech founder. And that is a mouthful. Um, I I was like, what's it called? It's a quad quad outsider.
0: Quad outsider. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that
1: one. So that was the term people used to call us and we we're like, okay, I guess, I mean, I guess, but somehow we figured out how to get this built. So I guess I'm an insider now. Yeah. <laughs> so our dev team is actually located in um, half of it is in El Dorado Hills, California. The other half is offshore. The funny thing about this is because we're living in the digital age, we've literally only met these folks physically like five times, hmm. like over the course of these years. We were pricing out um, how much it was going to cost to get the first version of the software built. And we were getting some outrageous, outrageous. quotes, outrageous. And we were just like, okay, well, this is about to be cost prohibitive, a no-go. So when we found these developers, they gave us better pricing. But the first thing that we had to do was create the wireframe. And you know, this is, I think, one of those entrepreneurial lessons. Well, first, I think Carrie already gave us one, which is, Ask for whatever you want, because the worst thing that somebody can say is no. She got that ticket to CES because she just asked. She put herself out there. Oh, so yeah. I think that's the first I'm gonna good lesson. I'm going to be remembering lesson.
0: that one. That's in my back pocket yes. right now. <laughs> yeah, no, And then I think the
1: second lesson is... Figure out how to distill things down, like don't let things, words just become super intimidating. The phrase wireframing, you know, for software can sound so intimidating, but realistically, it's not. The way we communicated the first version of our app, like what our idea was to these developers that at this point we did not have a relationship with was, I looked at my phone, at the apps that I had on my phone. I you know, got a feel for you know the flow that I was looking for, things I liked, things I didn't like. And I literally took a stack of post-it notes. I drew out what I thought the screen should be, like what the flow should be. Once I got done drawing, I put them in order on the back of my bathroom door. I snapped a picture of that. I texted it to the developer and that's what they developed off of. That was the wireframe.
0: And during this process did you do any interviewing or user research outside of your own experiences?
2: I was going to laugh. I was going to say until you said that last piece. Yes, we interviewed ourselves. (laughs) And I have to tell people that is not the correct way to do it. But because we didn't have an entrepreneurial background at that point, we didn't understand market fit Mm -hmm. and all of the sprint testing. But because we were so deep in our careers, I had 25 years of experience in HR and Ashley was seven years into her career We really did have a lot of real experience. And so if anything, we would call a friend and say, hey, if you had this, would this work, would this be cool? Would you use it? Can you see the benefit? But we were 95% of the test market.
1: Well, and the other thing that I would say is in the beginning, like once we had a version of the app that was actually working, we would literally invite like mostly Carrie's friends and family in the Nashville area. We would invite them over and like tell them like, hey, we'll feed you and provide alcohol but like you all need to like download the app so we can see like if it's working and that's literally how we beta tested the thing oh i mean
0: (laughs) that definitely counts as user research
2: and i gotta tell you it worked because even to this day i i can think specifically of two people who met at my house that did not know each other that they are i'm gonna say really close friends at this point Because they had an opportunity to collide and they always say we never would have gravitated towards each other had it not been in that primitive mixtros group.
0: I was going to say mixtros did that. Yep. And how did you end up learning about market fit? Did you seek out some education there? I, I think we we did a lot of building the plane as we flew it yeah. like
1: I mean we again I, we always say like the way our journey went was a little backwards the way it was supposed to be but you know we kept getting those positive indicators that it was working like in fact by the time we got to 2016 at this point we had a functioning version of the app but it wasn't yet software as a service meaning our customer couldn't go online you know set up a mix on their own you had to interface with a mixed person to make me that happen. You. Yeah. Meaning <laughs> me or Carrie. Um, not like we had a team working on it at that point, mm-hmm. but in March of 2016, that was when we had our first paid event. So like at this point we had found someone to pay us $250 to, uh, use mixtures. And I swear we were like, Oh man, this is it. We are about to be rich. um, <laughs> and, um wait, and I want to tell everyone false. Uh, lesson <laughs> number three, this journey is a marathon, yeah. uh, not a sprint but we, so we go into this event we're like okay great so when are you guys going to do the mix and you know we were thinking maybe over lunchtime cuz one of our customer favorite use cases for mixtros is to facilitate lunch or dinner time seating mm. but then this person was like uh, we're going to do it at the very end of the day. And that was like a death sentence because it was March 5th in Nashville. It was like the first day of spring. It was like 75 and balmy outside. And, you know, we are like, oh, my gosh, people are going to be at a conference from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's no way they're sticking around for this, you know, end of day networking opportunity. They're going to want to bolt out of here. But in fact, what happened is once Mixtros put people into their groupings, they stayed in those groupings connecting so long that the venue we were in shut off the lights like the venue was like, okay, I'm glad that y'all are like networking, connecting, whatever you're doing. Get out of here. (laughs) Um, and And so for us, that was like. Oh wow, it's working. And honestly, I made the move from New York City to Nashville, moved into a very lovely family home, but still it was moving back into my family home, so I wasn't that pleased. I was moving into my baby brother's room. I got his little beat-up car, and that's when you really got into like startup you scrappy have mode
2: on yeah. sweet bathroom.
1: <laughs> and his car was not that bad. But when you move home at 28 when you haven't lived at home since 17, mm-hmm. that's odd. Like, it's like, you know, it's uncomfortable. We tell people all the time like, bits and pieces of this entrepreneurial journey, like, 100% is going to be uncomfortable, but like, you just kind of have to endure through those times because they won't be forever.
0: So, after that first paid customer, What has the customer acquisition process looked like for you all? How have you approached it? What kinds of customers are you bringing on? I think that's also something folks are really interested in when they're thinking about going off on their own. I think in the beginning, and Carrie can kind of add some color to this, but I think in the beginning,
1: we built a company off hustle. Like Carrie and I have an extraordinary amount of hustle with us. Like at one point, Carrie was selling mixtros to people who ran funerals because she was like, listen, she was like- They're called funeral directors. Fine, funeral (laughs) directors. She was like, listen, mixtros will be great for calling hours because you got people coming in from here, there and everywhere and they don't know each other and they need to connect over why they knew Uncle Bill. I was like, my mom is so intense. Like she would literally sell mixtros to anyone. But since we raised a round of funding that happened at the end of 2018 and over the course of 2019, what we were really able to do was go back and put process behind that hustle. And that process is so critical because as you intend to grow and scale, there has to be a process there or things aren't going to work out the way you want them to. Like that's something that, you know, as a founder you have to understand there has to be like some sort of methodical process there. You have to figure out what it is so you can then essentially rinse and repeat as you grow. And so for us, you know, that process has to do with several key top of funnel activities. Like we find a great key top of funnel activity is Carrie and I are people experts. We speak all over the United States. I speak mostly to people in education about the power of networking. Carrie speaks to HR professionals about how to take old school, tactics and new school tech and bridge the gap in human resources. And in doing that, we're able to layer mixtros in there. And what we find is people will experience mixtros in one of those talks or whatever, and then they will take mixtros elsewhere. They'll take it to their place of business. Mm -hmm. They'll take it to another organization that they're involved in. And we have that kind of natural virality, which is very similar to the virality of something like Eventbrite, for example. Eventbrite in the beginning was able to scale so quickly because event organizers were using it, but then the people registering for the events was like, oh, this is very easy. I'm going to use it for my next event. And so we naturally have that because using Mixtros generally delights not only our customer, but their attendees as well. So really over the course of 2019, it was figuring out what top of funnel activities lead us to Filling the funnel with qualified leads that then want to demo with Mixtros that we can then convert to sales. Mm -hmm. Another important thing that we did is we amended our pricing model. We now have annual pricing plans because we recognize that Mixtros isn't a one and done software. Mixtros works best when it is implemented. Often over time, because then you have a good strategy. Yes, because then you have so many data sets at the end of a calendar year where you could really look at that data and make informed decisions for your educational institution, your business enterprise, data based decisions. And so, you know, that is what we're doing. It's so interesting to us that when we started this company, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, this is an event software. But realistically, we are a data company with a happy byproduct of engagement.
2: Oh, I like how that sounds. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Ashley specified that we speak across the country, but we both have passports and they are ready to go. Mm.
0: (laughs) Good to know. So I think I might be a little bit of your target audience. Do you want to do like a faux sales call or onboarding with me and and how Mixtros might fit into the things that me and my team work on? Yeah, Yeah. I'm down. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So what do you need to know from me to understand if it's a good fit? Tell me about your events. How do your events generally function today? So the one event that I'm interested in kind of improving how we're helping folks engage, we have some meetups, but this particular one is more invitation only. And we invite maybe 10 to 20 VPs of engineering from growing startups to come to our space and talk about some of the things they're working on. Sometimes we'll come up with a topic for them or there might be like a, a guest speaker and you know, looking to help them build community and also build community with us. Gotcha. So first of all, usually when we're talking to somebody about
1: their event, we start at 50 or more people. We've certainly done it on smaller groups, but 50 is where it's really starts getting complicated on who needs to connect with who, that sort of thing.
0: Okay, so let's say I bring multiple of those groups together for almost a a mini mini conference.
1: (laughs) So where I would say that you would layer Mixtros in here, this would be kind of the event flow for your attendees. So your attendees would arrive, sign in, or do whatever they normally do, but then at that point you would tell them, you can go ahead and launch Mixtros now. The mix is open and discoverable. Um, In advance of this point, we, Mixtros, provide you with all the verbiage you need to send to attendees when you're just reminding them about the date and time for your event. We have a little blurb for you where you can just put in, download Mixtros before you arrive on site. So your attendee, let's say, as they're entering your event on their way to get a drink or get some food, or as they're catching up with people that they already know, they launch the Mixtros app. Mixtros will identify where they are, so then they would get a piece of your brand that shows them that they're at the correct event and then they click join. After that, they do their n- virtual name tag, which is their name, their email address, and snapping a selfie. After that, they answer 10 questions that have been customized by you in advance of the event. So the way these questions work, just to make this make sense, Mixtros has a baseline algorithm based on Carrie and I's knowledge. That part is proprietary. But then what we allow our event host to do is ask questions. So let's say your first question is, I am from. That's a good, easy question. So it would be, I am from, and then multiple choices, north, south, east, and west. As the person who is customizing the mix, you can say, I want all people from the North to be grouped together. Or you can say, give me a mixture of people from North, South, East, and West. And then you get to do that for every question in your set of 10 questions. So you as the organizer really get to affect the collisions that you want to see at this event, because you know better than anyone, the reason why you're hosting the event and what would be valuable. So after that, they reach a countdown clock. The countdown clock lets them know about when these networking groups are going to be created. So based on the Programming that you've told me about, I would say that the networking would happen after your panel or after your keynote or after whatever the, is the major event inside of this event, right? So then let's say after your keynote wraps, immediately everyone will get a push notification to their phone. It shows them the people that they've been grouped with and where they're going to meet those people inside of your venue. Your people then break up into their groupings, the natural phenomenon that always happens is the volume in the room increases quite a bit because you have all these people colliding with each other in real time, making new connections, doing the, hi, what's your name? What do you do? So as that's happening, the app also provides customized conversation starters. So you mentioned engineers are attendees. Engineers sometimes have a more difficult time kicking off the conversation. So those conversation starters are really helpful here just to get them going. And then frankly, humanity starts to kick back in after a while and people really start making those connections. The other thing that they're able to see is why the group was formed. Like what are the things that they have in common or not, depending on the way that you weighted the questions. And then at the same time that all of that connecting is happening, you as the administrator have access to all that collected survey data and it's visualized for you. So you can see, you know, in aggregates. So if you could just think about, you know, say you're doing these meetups like once a month or whatever, if you do them over the course of a year, think about the data that you'll be able to look at over the course of a year. You'll be able to better look at your attendance. You'll be able to look at who was colliding with who. And then as we look forward in Mixtros, a couple exciting things that we'll be rolling out this year are one, we're going to have a web-based version, meaning that an app download won't be necessary to use Mixtros, which is pretty cool. And the other thing... Connectivity. uh, Yeah, we're going to have what we're calling say hello again essentially so our goal is going to be to take people from digital to a physical in-person gathering and then through our app they'll be able to connect with one another socially online so we've literally taken you from digital to physical back to digital and by doing that your digital networks will be stronger wow you want to buy it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sold. I really love that it's used in the course of the, like, the in-person event more as the Kickstarter for the person-to-person engagement and not you know, something that you're necessarily attached to the entire time. But it, it really helps you make those first steps, which are so hard for people.
2: And I want to say just to broaden the thoughts of the audience, mixtros is helpful when you're building project teams, lunchtime seating, networking, town hall meetings, any gathering, orientation. orientations, those are all places that are clumsy and that's where we layer mixtros in. So as a former HR person, it would have been great to have a tool like mixtros when we were doing pulse surveys or looking at how do we develop project teams without having those natural biases that go beyond color and gender. It sounds like a networking tool, but is really a people tool that helps identify synergies they may not because of those outwardly things or stereotypes that just don't fit.
0: So you mentioned in the the course of your journey, your story, you know, you both ended up leaving your jobs to work on this, moving back home to a different state. Were there other personal challenges that, that you faced along the way as you're focusing on these business challenges?
2: Yeah, I mean, one of them, Ashley and I, are only a component of our fuller family. And so, to even balance the relationships of our immediate family members that aren't in the business, I mean, we tend to have mixtures on us 24 7. And so, to sit down at dinner or to try to watch TV with my husband and son that aren't involved and include them, like that kind of stuff. I I think about with my friends and Ashley with the same thing, but in my demographic, you know, people are traveling and they're doing stuff that I enjoy to do, shopping, what have you, and I've broken away from that. And I feel like, you know, it's strained friendships and not from a, a mean angle, it's just we're not doing the same things anymore. And so that, but I personally went through a health scare being diagnosed with breast cancer and it happened as soon as we had closed around the friends and family fundraising. And I was on my way to a conference, went to a mammogram that was just an annually appointment that I had made a year out. no sign, no symptoms, nothing in my family, the heritage that would say, "Oh yes, you you are a candidate for breast cancer," and was diagnosed, ultimately had to have surgery, and then started six weeks of radiation, which I called tanning, and Ashley never liked it I hated
0: it. That's really scary, yeah.
2: It really 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 scary i i do credit my faith my family my friends and certainly my focus on mixtros for getting me through and not allowing me to take my foot off of the gas and in fact when they were willing me into surgery i was talking to the surgeon saying hey when i wake up i got to talk to you about mixtros." and then they put me to sleep <laughs> like shut up lady but oh that's that truly is a a a true story. But I say all of that to say you have to take care of yourself. You have to be intentional about your health and about your relationships as you're moving forward with anything, but specifically this crazy thing called entrepreneurship. And the thing I want people to know is I was the breadwinner for my household, so people kind of assume, oh, while you and Ashley were dabbling around, your husband was working. He actually had retired early as we moved around with my career, and he was the quintessential house dad. I've explained to him since our youngest is 23. Feel free to go back to work. But he's like, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> and then the other thing, Ashley talked about the quad outsider. I'm actually a quint because I am not a millennial. And so sometimes, believe it or not, ageism is real. And so Ashley had already alluded to the people who will say, oh, my goodness, you got your mom out of the house today. That's real. And so despite all of that, here we are today.
1: Yeah. And I would say on my side, so one, when my mom got sick, it was very scary. And I mean, as far as cancer is concerned, I mean, early detection truly saves lives. Like, I mean, she got diagnosed at stage one mm-hmm. and was able to get things taken care of fast because she was going to her doctor's appointments as she was supposed to, mm-hmm. which is so important. But it was really that point in mixtures where I had to decide to like get in or get out because I was literally watching this person go to radiation every day for six weeks, you know, be exhausted by that, you know, cause uh, uh, radiation drains you. And she was still moving this business forward and so because i was still at that point kind of like unsure about this whole entrepreneurial thing that was when i really had to decide you know you can't be one foot in one foot out you either have to be two feet in or you have to get out because frankly there is no such thing as a half-time entrepreneur it's just not possible like it's all-encompassing it's obsessive it takes over everything and so you have to opt into that or completely opt out so at that point i opted in But in opting in, when I moved to Nashville from New York City, and I I say this often, I definitely went through a bout of depression that I got treated for because what was happening is I was doing too much. Like this was like the slow part of the business. Like in the very beginning, it can feel very slow because frankly, you know, you're doing all this back work, but nobody knows who you are at that point. It gets a little bit easier once you start to get some brand and name recognition. But in the beginning, it can be incredibly slow. And I was spending too much time on. Instagram watching my friends like be in Greece or wherever they were. And I was literally like suffering from FOMO, fear of missing out. I had to really check myself that and, and also going to the doctor to be diagnosed and all of that, but really had to check myself on Coveting what others have. You know, that quote, comparison is the thief of joy, is so, so true. You really have to do what you can to focus in on your journey, what you're doing, and not be deterred by what's going on for other people. You know, celebrate in their achievements. And literally, this is something like to this day that I work on because that social media stuff is real. You know, you'll look at that too much and then get off of your track of what you should be doing. So I tell people, if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling sad, the way that I knew I was falling into a depression is I could literally sleep for eight hours at night. And then at noon, I'd be like, can I take a nap? Like, can I take like a four hour nap? And so, you know, you have to be able to identify that in yourself and then, you know, seek treatment so you can get better. And I tell you, after I did that, I became not only a better entrepreneur, but a better co-founder, a better person to work with, etc.
2: I think the other FOMO we had was finance. Fear of missing out on the fifteenth and the thirtieth, right? Because we certainly went three years before we had a salary, and you know, even now as founders, that's a, something that's way down on the list of things that need to be done. You you have enough to keep your wheel rolling, but it certainly pales in comparison to our financial position prior to coming into Mixture's.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you both so much for for sharing the, the personal side of entrepreneurship. I think that's really important and you have really powerful advice. I really appreciate both of your your time today. Thanks for coming on. If folks want to follow along with you and with Mixtros, what are the best ways to do that? How, how can we find you?
1: We are at Mixtros on everything. So any social media that you have, we're at Mixtros on that. So that's at M-I-X-T-R-O-Z. Check us out at Mixtros.com. And then personally on Instagram, because I think this is so funny. I'm at SheMixalot87. So feel
2: free to follow <laughs> me there. <laughs> and, and I'm at the millennial plus. So, um, (laughs) yeah, we make everything awesome.
0: I love that. Well, thanks again for, for coming on and sharing your story and I'm sure inspiring others to maybe give it a go. It was a pleasure. I think the best advice
1: we can give is, you know, people will find all kinds of reasons why not to just start. And honestly, you, start. you have to just start. <laughs> like You have just to just start. start somewhere. And don't um,
2: start with dollars in mind. Start with feeling passion. a passion, but feeling a, a pinch point that you have felt. People are coming up with things to solve with real life issues. That's what Mixtrose has done.
0: Love it. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time.
2: This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, New York, San Francisco, Austin, London, and Raleigh-Durham, let's build something great together.